Hello and welcome to PodRocket, the podcast brought to you by LogRocket. LogRocket helps software teams improve user experience with session replay, error tracking, and product analytics. Try it free at LogRocket.com. And today I'm hosting the podcast. This is Mike from HTML The Things. It's a little bit of a crossover episode. I'm just helping out here and I'm going to be talking to Jeff who is a core maintainer of Svelte, and we're going to be talking all things Svelte 4, which just launched literally today. This podcast episode is going to be put together in 24 hours' time, so stay tuned with us and get all the latest on the Svelte 4 launch. Jeff, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and give us a little introduction? Sure. Yeah, I'm super happy to be here. So my name is Jeff Rich. As Mike said, I'm one of the maintainers of Svelte. I've been on the team since early last year. Um, And a lot of my contributions have been focused around accessibility, so making sure the doc site is accessible to people using various kinds of assistive technology, as well as just helping out where I can. I started using Svelte in early 2020 at my previous company, Alaska Airlines. So I've been here for a few years now, really enjoy Svelte, really enjoy working with it. And currently, my day job, I'm a senior software engineer at Ordegroove. Awesome. Awesome. So the Svelte, the Svelte maintaining is actually something you do on the side. Correct. Yeah, I'm not one of the, the full-time maintainers. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, well, great. Let's just jump right into it. Svelte, launch, Svelte 4 launched today. It's been, I think, four years coming since Svelte 3. Yeah. So I'm really curious about the kind of mindset that you guys had. It's been a long time. And I know this is not going to be like a massive launch. So I want to preemptively tell that to the audience, but it is a really important launch for the future. So I want to cast it off to you to talk about what are the new features in Svelte 4? What can we expect? Right. So like you said, this is mainly a let's get rid of the old cruft kind of launch. So Svelte 3, four years ago, a lot has changed in the JavaScript ecosystem since then. And we've learned a lot working on SvelteKit, like how we like to work in the Svelte repo itself. So Some of the biggest changes in this release were behind the scenes, so restructuring the Svelte repo in a way that will make sense and really empower us to move faster when it comes time to work on the next version of Svelte. As far as large features go, pretty minimal breaking changes. There are some smaller things with maybe some obscure features, but we really wanted to make this as drop-in as possible, just a no-brainer upgrade. We have increased the minimum versions required, so Node 16 is now the standard. You can't use anything before that. Also increasing versions of Webpack and Vite. So those are a lot of the breaking changes you'll encounter. As far as features go, I would say the main like big feature release in this is the custom elements refactor. Not used by a lot of the Svelte community, but there are a core group of people who really rely on this feature, and it's great. If you haven't used it before, custom elements let you take your Svelte components and compile them to a custom element that can be dropped on any page, just a self-contained web component is another word for it. Um, And that feature really got a overhaul and a redesign just to make it a little bit nicer to work with. So I can go into that a little bit more if you want. Yeah, absolutely. So the web components thing was really interesting. I was reading about it. And before, I think there were a few kind of buggy things. And I think actions was a big part of just being a pain point of web components. So can you explain... Not only just like what's been changed, I think we don't need to get into the nitty gritty there. Can you explain the main like focus of web components and a little bit about what we should use them for in the future for a junior developer out there? What are web components? Why should we care? Yeah, so I, w- I would say Svelte with web components, the main use case for that is if you're trying to 
incrementally migrate your site away. Maybe it's built in some older technology. You want to start using a component framework like Svelte, but you don't have time to completely rewrite the whole site from scratch in SvelteKit or whatever. With a web component, you can compile to this web component and then incrementally move over just parts of your site. So let's say you have a sidebar. You could turn, just rewrite the sidebar Svelte component and then compile it to a web component and just drop that in on your pre-existing site and not have to, you know, rip out all the guts of your architecture. Yeah, that's a really good explanation, actually. I think I think it is a really useful little feature, or not little feature, it's a pretty big part of maybe even the future of web development. I know my thought process always goes to what's next for web, what's next in the JavaScript world. And I think web components are one step closer to maybe having a built-in framework, right, in the browser maybe Svelte is another step there too. So I'm always interested in that kind of thought process. Do you think the frameworkizing of the web is something that is going to happen? Or is it just just a pipe dream for us that want a more cohesive JavaScript experience? By frameworkizing, you mean like frameworks themselves start using? More framework features built into JavaScript. Maybe. I don't know. I think it's super hard to say just with the pace the web platform moves and how much innovation is happening in the space right now if we tried to solidify the web platform, what was latest and greatest a couple of years ago, that might look very different. But I definitely think it's amazing the stuff that's coming to the web platform and all these always be a fan of moving stuff there and opening that up for reuse. For sure, for sure. Jumping back into Svelte 4, let's talk a little bit more about what's under the hood, like what came out. Something that I'm personally really excited about is the fact that TypeScript is now more accessible. It's a, I think you've upped the TypeScript version as well, the minimum TypeScript version, which has also introduced other things as well as a little bit of a different handling of the types file, or I guess from files to file. Can you talk a little bit more about that, the TypeScript side of things? Yeah, so I think what you're talking about is actually like one of my favorite features of this release. This is beyond TypeScript, like it's rooted in the TypeScript declaration files. But as a developer using Svelte, your autocomplete's about to get a lot better. And click to definition is going to get it a lot better. So let's talk autocomplete. I have encountered many times writing my own Svelte components. I try to type on mount. It VS Code tries to be helpful and auto import that from somewhere. And it's from some nested package deep inside Svelte that's not even the right place. So now that should work a lot better. You type on mount, it's automatically going to insert like the import on mount from Svelte. And the reason that is getting better is because how we generate our TypeScript declaration files behind the scenes for Svelte itself um, has gotten revamped. So this was a lot of Rich Harris's work. Honestly, the actual mechanisms behind it are a little over my head. But essentially, our TypeScript declaration files are now written in a way so that autocomplete with all these nested packages can work a lot more reliably. And if you are the type of person like me who likes to understand how this stuff is working, if you command click on like on mount or something, you will now be directly taken to the actual implementation of that function instead of just the type definition, which is really useful for debugging or if you're just like hacking around with some changes, the function is right there for you to see how it works, which I think is great. That was the thing I was most excited about is the being able to like command click or control click and get right to the definite to write to the actual code that's written around that component or around that function in Svelte. So yeah, it's great. I think the fact that we're just going to have a little bit clear autocomplete is great. I know you were talking about on mount before when you were typing on mount, not only were you seeing like the right on mount, but you were seeing like four more other ones. And those were like the nested ones and stuff like that. I think that's gone, right? The you're only going to see the right one. 
I think so. I haven't checked that specifically, but I know there's been some cleaning up around like removing the internal ones from the autocomplete so they're not even being exposed, which should make things a lot smoother. Awesome. Awesome. So developer experience is getting better as well. It was already probably the best developer experience that I've experienced. Like I've done React and Vue quite extensively before I went to Svelte and I already loved it. So now, I mean, it's going to get better. Do you have any indication about when these features are going to be coming to Svelte Kit? So Svelte Kit should be able to use Svelte 4 today. So we've already bumped the peer dependency on Svelte Kit. Like I said, with the minimum breaking changes, Svelte Kit didn't have to change how it did everything. So if you start a Svelte Kit project today, it should be using Svelte 4 under the hood, and it should be a pretty painless migration to do that for your existing apps. I know what I'm doing tonight. I'm going to be upgrading my current Svelte Kit project to Svelte 4. I love it. And I think there's one more kind of big thing in Svelte 4 that we want to talk about, and that's the performance, the package size, how that's been optimized and, and create, made even better. Right. So there's, there's, there's two performance implications with Svelte 4. First, as you mentioned, is the size of the actual NPM package. So behind the scenes, we've rearranged the repo a bit. We're now shipping unbundled vanilla JavaScript ES modules. Before, we were bundling the Svelte compiler into this one giant file and shipping that to NPM. Now it's the actual source code. And because we don't have to have a bundle step anymore, we don't have to have source maps. So if you look at the size of the Svelte package on NPM, it's gone down from, I think, 10 megabytes to 2 point something megabytes, which is a big increase, or not increase, a big decrease, which is very exciting. So implications both for your CI pipeline downloading Svelte, as well as the, inter the interactive experiences we have, like the Svelte tutorial, there's less for that to download. That's that's a pretty big that's a pretty big optimization. You don't see that very often. You usually see package sizes going up as versions go up, not down. Great news for everyone, especially with low and low internet connections. You can just download it real quick. There is one other performance improvement around your client apps. So one thing we snuck into Svelte for was a improvement to hydration. This might get very slightly in the weeds, but for those who don't know, hydration is what takes a server rendered Svelte app and turns it interactive in the client. So client-side code has to go through like all this HTML and, and figure out which Svelte components it corresponds to. And we shipped an improvement to that. Essentially, let's say you have a Svelte component. You have a static list with three items in it, and it's no props, no state, no variables. It's just static HTML in the component. In Svelte 3, if you were hydrating that component, it would have to reconstruct that list item by item. So create the an ordered list, then create the list item, then set the text on each one. And that worked, but with Svelte 4, we were able to apply an optimization. So that static bit of HTML is now compiled to a inner HTML call. So instead of creating list items one at a time, which the more you have, the more expensive it is, that can be a, a one-line thing. So, And that impacts the size of your compiled Svelte code. So it's going to vary depending on your app and what components you have and how much of it is static. But on the Svelte Kit site, we saw a decrease of about 12% in client-side JavaScript, so down about 15 kilobytes. So you, you should see some slight performance and bundle size improvements from that. I can Yeah, I can see that being quite significant for larger applications. Like for small applications, if you've got like 20 like 10 pages and 20 components, you're probably not going to notice too much of a difference. But for the substantial like production applications that have hundreds, if not thousands of components, 
that could be significant. Like that could be, you could be taking milliseconds off of load times and stuff like that. When you're going from multiple calls of like create element down to one inner HTML call, both in the size of the file and the actual performance. Yeah, that, that's, I didn't think about that one. That's pretty big. Yeah, so that one was excited. I, I don't think I even realized it was in the release until a couple of days ago, but excited to see the impact of that in the wild. For sure. And okay, so that's Svelte 4. That's what we're expecting from Svelte 4. I want to talk a little bit about, like, this was a big update for you guys, for the Svelte team. A lot of restructuring, a lot of rewriting of code internally. Not a huge update for, like, us, the users of Svelte, but for a very good reason. And I just want to hear your thoughts on what's next for Svelte. What's Svelte 5 going to look like? I know you can't talk about it in detail. You probably don't even have a roadmap fully set on it. But why did you take so much time to really solidify this Svelte 4 release? Yeah, so a lot of, like you said, we wanted to take some time solidifying Svelte 4 just to to lay the groundwork. Theoretically, we could have done all this restructuring to the repo and then done this changes on top of that. That was just too much. So separating it out to behind the scenes and then actual new features, rethinking how what breaking changes or what improvements we might want to make. It is still pretty early. We're in the brainstorming phase. I know we've had a new maintainer join the team recently, employed by Vercel, Dominic Ganaway, and he's had a lot of interesting ideas and a lot of ideating around what Svelte 5 could look like. But yeah, not much we're ready to share right now. And and not because we're, we're hiding it, but just we're not even sure uh, what it's going to look like yet. But expect um, bigger changes than Svelte 4 and expect changes to help Svelte scale better. Ooh, that's exciting. The scaling of Svelte. Like, I've never personally had any issues with scaling Svelte, but if it's better, that's already good. Yeah, definitely something we're looking at. Awesome, awesome. Other than the fact that Svelte 4 was released, there's another big release of Svelte, and that was the new Svelte.dev doc site. I think this one was a pretty long time coming. From my understanding, there was a lot of, like, inner workings here. I don't think it was a long time as in, like, from for building it, but a long time that you guys were trying to plan it and stuff like that. So can you talk about like what we are seeing now in the new Svelte.dev site? If you're listening to this podcast, you can go there right now and you can see the new site. Yeah, so so just like Svelte 4, a lot of it was taking what we learned building SvelteKit, bringing the repo up to date in that way. A lot of the Svelte.dev changes have been, okay, we have some features on the SvelteKit site that aren't on Svelte.dev. How do we bring those improvements over and make for a nicer documentation and learning experience? Before we start, I just want to call out. So this has been a few months of work coming and really spearheaded by community member Puru Vijay, who has been working on this for months. And the reason he's been able to work on it for so long is thanks to the Svelte Open Collective funding. As you may know, there's a way to donate to Svelte. You can monthly donations to fund development, but we've been able to put those funds to good use, employing some community members and doing things like this. So all the work that went into improving Svelte.dev has been funded by the community. So as far as improvements go, I think maybe the most obvious change is dark mode. Every developer's favorite. Every, yeah. Yeah, we needed that. Yeah, I know people have been using, I don't know, dark reader or whatever a while to kind of hack it, but now there is an official dark mode across the whole site. And then I think the second biggest change people will notice for a while, the Svelte docs have all been on one page, which I think some people have really enjoyed being able to go to a single page and control F and try to find what you need. But after four years of documentation updates, it started to get a little unwieldy. 
just this giant stack of HTML. So the Svelte docs are now multi-page. Like it was actually having some performance implications. And yeah, performance implications. So now the docs are broken up into multiple pages based on topic, which you can get a preview of. Every module is documented. And there are some new documentation. So I think one pain point people had is, how do I use Svelte with TypeScript? How do I type my components, my props, do all that? There is now dedicated documentation for that instead of it being scattered across different GitHub repos and, and Markdown files. It's a pretty big deal. Like The site looks very different, first of all. It has some familiarity, but it looks very different. It looks very similar to the Kit, Svelte Kit site, which is awesome already. So there's if you're used to Svelte Kit, you're going to be very happy with the Svelte docs. And the, I think the tutorial has also been updated. I remember I have a friend that actually just started learning Svelte, and I showed them the Svelte site a little while ago. And they were going through the tutorial, and they saw, I was like, yeah, this is a little bit different. This doesn't have TypeScript or whatever. But from my understanding, the tutorial has been updated too. Is that correct? Yeah. So I think the tutorial has been updated for a little bit. So the tutorial we launched for SvelteKit, learn.svelte.dev, includes both Svelte and SvelteKit. So for a while, you'd get linked over there on the SvelteKit site, but then there was a separate Svelte tutorial still on the old Svelte.dev. Now all the tutorial links point to learn.svelte.dev, which is the refresh tutorial, and we'll be slowly phasing out the other tutorial. Awesome, awesome. And I'd highly recommend if you're just listening to this and you're getting into JavaScript or getting into frameworks, this is a good place to start for a lot of people, the tutorial. Obviously, there's a lot of good things with courses and videos and act like However else you want to learn, everyone's a different learner. But the tutorial really forces you to code along with it. It'll have a section where you code, and then you can pr press a button to show me how the, act the actual code should be written. So that is a really big part of learning a new framework. And I highly recommend you guys go out and guys and gals go out to try and learn Svelte that way first, and then maybe jump into any supplementary content after that. Yeah, I'm a big believer in type out the code as you're learning something. Sometimes to my detriment, my coworkers are like, come on, just copy paste that over and I have to try to type it in. But it really does make a big difference. Yeah, like it, it solidifies it in your head, like in your mind, right? Like it's just, some, it's, there's something different about typing it rather than copy pasting it or seeing it especially. So with the Svelte.dev site, there's a couple other really interesting thing, things there that I wanted to talk about. I think, and I'm not sure if you'll be able to speak on this in depth, but there was some of it that's auto-generated based on the types of the actual like files. I know that the Svelte section, especially the, the core section, like if you change the files in GitHub with the right types, it'll actually re-upload re the site and update everything there. Exactly. So this is another, I believe we have this on the Svelte kit documentation as well. There's documentation, let's say, around all the lifecycle functions on mount. And under each one, you'll see the type definition. And like you said, that is generated from the source code, which means we're keeping documentation and source code in sync. Something changes in the source code, documentation will be automatically updated. And beyond that, the docs are type checked now. So if we make a change in the source code that makes the doc code sample documentation invalid, that's going to be caught in CI, and we're going to have to make sure to update the docs before we can go ahead and release. That's crazy. So you can't even you can't even make a mistake, even if you tried. <laughs> oh, you can still make mistakes, but not the easy ones. And then you'll also see in a lot of the code samples, a lot of the variables will have some dotted underlines on them. If you hover over those, you'll get some type hints. And that's, again, similar to the SvelteKit documentation powered by a library called Cheeky2Slash. 
<laughs> Cheeky two slash. What, what a great name. <laughs> it's a great name. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Let's see. Your expertise, I think, is in accessibility, right? And I'm sure that creating a new doc site had a lot of accessibility in there. Is there anything unique that you had to do for this or just any advice that you would give people that are creating doc sites for in terms of accessibility? Yeah, great that you mentioned that. This The accessibility of the doc site is actually the small part I played in this release. So a lot of what we've been talking about has largely been done by other contributors, other members of the team. Accessibility is where I got to dig in and help. So I, I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to say that this felt doc site is 100% accessible because that what is 100% accessible? There's so much nuance there. Exactly. But yeah, as far as accessibility of documentation sites, some of the things I checked on svelte.dev, running tools like Axe DevTools, this is not going to catch nearly everything, but it'll catch the low-hanging fruit just to make sure you know what to resolve. And then the other thing I'll always recommend people do is navigating around with a keyboard. So make sure you can hit the tab key and your, your focus moves to all the interactive elements on the page. You can trigger them without touching your mouse, which is important for people who maybe can't use a mouse. And then similarly, as a bonus step, actually, if you can learn how to use a screen reader, that'll be the best thing you can do. Because otherwise, you're kind of flailing in the dark. I see people use ARIA attributes all the time that they assume are going to work in a certain way. But until you test that on the screen reader, you're not really going to know what's going to happen. That's a really smart point. I don't know why I haven't even thought about that before. Learn to use a screen reader. Just like that makes perfect sense. I'm, I, I might write up a whole blog post just based on that one comment. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that being said, I think definitely a valuable skill for a dev to have. I think something I try to do as I'm testing, I'm not a daily screen reader user. And while I think I know how to use one, you can also get into trouble assuming like, oh, a screen reader user is going to navigate my doc site like this. So I need to make this fix. It's also important to not make too many assumptions and talk to people who actually have that lived experience. Yeah, so I think we've covered everything that's that's installed for. We've covered the new docs. There, there are a couple more doc site things I'd like to mention if we have a time for it. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's do it. I mentioned this the whole single page doc view. People love control F. Some of you might be thinking, how do I find things with the multi-page docs? And there's actually now a new dedicated search experience, again, modeled after the SvelteKit site. So you can, if you go to the svelte.dev, hit Command-K or Control-K, depending on your operating system, that'll pop up the search box and let you search across all the docs. So full doc search is still there, and I would assume even a little bit better than Command-F, but I can't say that for sure. I'm going to say it is a little bit better. It's a little bit more fuzzy, right? <laughs> That, that's what I think. That's what I can't say for sure, but I'm pretty sure it is. And if it's not, we'd like it to be. Yeah, I know. That was another thing that people were reaching out to me saying that, like, oh, look, all these other doc sites have Command F, Command like the Command Palette. But it's nice that Svelte has caught up. Although I was one of those people that liked the Control F. Just yes, I always thought that the simplicity of it. This was when Svelte was first starting out, and the docs were really short. So again. I think as you grow, you can't rely on that for many reasons, like the fact that the site was literally being so long that it was having some rendering issues, and the fact that just searching through multiple instances of the same thing all the time is going to get annoying. So I'm glad that they brought it in. Well, and I think, honestly, it probably stopped us from documenting some things because it's like, oh, we'd love to mention that or have TypeScript docs, but do we really want to make that page longer? So I think it's just going to be a better information architecture. You're not going to have the incredibly long sidebar anymore. 
uh, with every single subheading on the docs, hoping it, it, it's better to navigate and understand as well. And correct me if I'm wrong, but this is built in SvelteKit, right? Yes. Awesome. Using your own tools is always the best way to find what, uh, what to fix. <laughs> so beyond search, there's two more things I think to hit on really quick. First is the REPL, which is if you... I don't know if I had heard that word before I got involved with Svelte, but the REPL is basically the online environment where you can go to svelte.dev slash REPL and just start playing with Svelte right in your browser right away, which I personally love. It's great for prototyping. Even if I'm not working in Svelte, I just want to see how a new CSS property works. That's pretty much my go-to. So the REPL has been upgraded to use the latest version of CodeMirror. And what that means for you is that I've heard performance is better, especially on mobile. And you get some autocomplete around variable names and HTML tags and CSS properties. And it's just a nicer online coding environment. So I think the previous REPL was a little clunky at times, but this one with the new version of CodeMirror is a lot better to work with, in my opinion. Is REPL custom built by the Svelte team? I, it's our own package, but I think it's built on top. I think CodeMirror is doing a lot of work, but the REPL... That package is, there's a lot going on there. I don't know if I really understand what's going on, but Puru does. And I think it's now like completely type checked now as well. So a well-needed upgrade to that package as well. That's actually a pretty big deal. Yeah. Not easy to do either. No. Sounds like Puru is contributing quite a bit. He's killing it. Yeah. I was connected with him a little while ago, actually. Just a quick shout out to Puru. He created that Mac OS kind of instance before, right, with Svelte. Yes. And that was like mind-boggling how well that worked and how well Svelte animations worked. Actually, before we finish up quickly, I think there was one other change in Svelte 4 that we should talk about, and that's the animations. So I'm just going to pass it off to you maybe to finish it off because that was that's actually been a pain point for me a few times, that uh, animation thing. Yeah, for sure. So I think... It's a small change, but I think a significant one just because of how often it bit people. So with Svelte transitions, they're great. In case you haven't used them, you apply an attribute to an element. And then let's say when it's added to the DOM, it automatically fades in. When it's removed, it fades out. But what can cause people issues is what's called the local behavior. So by default, anytime that element is removed, it needs to play its transition. This is how the behavior was in Svelte 3. So even if the the part that's changing is like way up in the DOM. It still needs to play its transition. And that caused issues for things like page transitions. So if you have one thing on the page that's transitioning, but the whole page is being removed, it had to wait for that single element to finish fading out or flying away or whatever before it could complete. And that made navigation feel kind of janky, just not a good experience. So what we did in Svelte 4 was make local the default. Svelte 3, if you did pipe local after the transition, then it wouldn't wait for the transition to f finish playing. It would just immediately go out unless that element was being removed. In Svelte 4, local is the default. You shouldn't have to add that to all your transitions anymore to get the more intuitive behavior. But you still can opt back into the old behavior with pipe sign global if you want. Not sure how <laughs> coherent that explanation was. But essentially more intuitive behavior if you're using transitions, especially in areas like SvelteKit. It's a small change, but it's an important one. <laughs> Trust me. Defaults matter. Yeah, defaults really do matter. And actually knowing that the change has been made can catch people. Because I know some people that will use local a lot more, won't use local as much. So if they all of a sudden have that change, it's good for them to know. We didn't bring it up, but there's actually a migration script 
to handle a lot of the Svelte 4 changes, which again are pretty minimal. Migration script will take care of a lot of them for you. And one of the things that lets you choose is like, do I want the migration script to go through all my code base, add this global modifier so that nothing changes, or do I just want it to stay the same? So that'll be up, up to you as you, you run the script. Perfect. I think we'll probably put that script in the show notes just for people that are going to be migrating from Svelte 3 to Svelte 4. But now that we've talked all things Svelte, is there anything else you'd like to plug, Jeff? So I think definitely if you want, if somehow you've made it this far into the episode and haven't actually tried Svelte before, go to svelte.dev, check out the new tutorial, new docs, highly recommend them. If you already have a Svelte app, again, go to svelte.dev. There's a migration guide in the docs with everything you need to know as well as check out the announcement blog post. And if you're interested in more on the changes made to the site specifically, I believe Puru is working on a blog post that we'll be publishing sometime, giving all the in-depth details on that. Perfect. Thank you for coming on on such short notice. And hopefully we'll have you back on when Svelte 5 comes on. <laughs> yeah, I, hopefully not four years, but uh, don't. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> <laughs> so five years then, right? <laughs> yeah. No, we are hoping Svelte 5 will be a little bit quicker than Svelte 4. But again, not ready to commit to anything yet. Cool. Perfect. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. If you want to know where to find me, I have my own podcast called HTML All The Things. You can just go to htmallthethings.com and listen to way more of me if you didn't get tired of me in this episode. So thank you, Pod Rocket and Log Rocket, And we are signing off. Okay.